We are learning Daf Chaf. We're starting right from the bottom of uh, your Testament base. And Gemara tells us Rav Nochas Ataman. When Rav went down to Babel. So the theme was that when Rav went to Babel, he was very machmer in the Indian, many not him actually, because he found that the people of Babel were extremely ignorant in Rav's times. And so he had to bend the page backwards, so to speak, and make sure that in order for them to adopt a lot of, to get better, they had to adopt a lot of stringency. So one of them was in our regard with finding non kosher meat. So Chamsun Mekilin Machamar Alain. He saw them that they were Chamsun Mekilin, they were very lenient. So therefore he was very machmer on them to make sure that they would get better. Chabar Nash, there was a person, Azul, who was going top of the Aleph. Boy Mashizga is Kupse Bakonahar. He went to throw his whole meat into the river. And then he forgot some of the meat and he went away. So he put he put some of the some of the meat and he forgot some of it in the river. So Khazabai Mitzvah he came back and he to get the to get the the piece that he had left behind. So he comes back and he wants the meat. So Amalei Rav also, Rav said to him, no, 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 you can't take that piece of meat anymore. Because Dinah Amar, because I could say, he shot the Fnara, maybe the piece of meat that you left, the river already washed away. But I see Chorot and Avela and it brought another piece that's from an Avela in its place. So maybe the piece of meat that you had that was kosher is gone now at this point. And instead, all that's left is a different piece of Avela. So therefore, Rav is really telling us this is the concept of the Basra Shana Solomon Ayin, that whenever meat is hidden from the eyes, Rav is very machmer. He says, you never know what happened. It could be that it got switched with something else. And since it got switched in exchange for non-kosher meat, it's no good. And this is an example um, where Rav was very machmer with this. And again, this is in contrast to some of the stories that we saw in yesterday's Amun were more lenient with, with, uh, with knowing for sure that a piece of meat is kosher when it had, been, uh, when it, when it had not been washed the whole time. So the Gemara gives another similar story. Chabar Nasha was a person He was walking in the street. He's carrying some meat. I said So some bird came. The took it away. And then it threw down another piece of meat. So the bird stole the meat. And then a minute later, it throws down. It throws. It throws down meat back. So So the person came back to get his meat. So I'm Rav also. Rav said the same thing. You're not allowed to take it. It's free. it's also to eat that piece of meat. And Amar, because I say, I could say that maybe the bird was carrying a piece of nevela and threw it down. And it took the other piece um, that was yours together with it. So this is the idea. The same thing that if if once once you were not watching it, then it's possible that the bird took the kosher meat and the other piece that is there is not a kosher meat. Kenai shot of Zikin. The Kenai River took away Zikin. Zikin used to be like the um, the kind of like the bottles that they used to fill with wine. They're more like skins that they would load up with wine. So um, at any rate, the river took took it, and uh, and they, they got lost. And then these 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 bottles ended up later um, in front of them. I guess it, it came back up to shore. So the question was whether they were sure that it was the same one, so that they could drink it. So also the Kamei 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 Yitzchak Rav Lotzer Amar Yachmon Shapari Kitron. The people who poured the wine, Yachman, they should look at their, the way that the knots are tied. And that was always the simon. If they could identify the knot, I guess people, different people, different, tied their knots differently. So if you have a simon from the way that the knot is tied, that is the one that you made, then you're allowed to have it, even though you weren't guarding it the whole time. The river took it. But if you don't have a simon, you can't identify it based upon the knot, then, the, the, the knot, then it's awesome. Says the Gemara Nukunika. There was again a bottle of Shtaka Pachamish of the Buli. It was found in the Shul Buli. Also, the people who, who marked it, they used to mark the certain containers with a certain uh, Sarika, which is like a red paint, a red dye. They should look. If they could identify the way that they made the mark, then it's Mutter. Again, that you need uh, some sort of evidence that it was the same one that you had left. Kaditzli, there was a roasted goat. Ishtaka Bisrati the Gufta was found. 
in a like the public highways by the of Gufta. So they was just you found they found this they found this roasted goat there and they didn't know if it was kosher or not. So Tiru Mishum Shem Tivar the Rabbanu were makel on it for two things. Mishum they were makel in terms of the halacha of Shabbos Eved that when you find something normally halacha is you can't necessarily keep it you have to retire you have to try to return it because it might be the owners. But here they were makel. The person was just allowed to keep the the, the, the roasted goat and they were also makel Mishum Rov Malachit Rachim because of the fact that most of the travelers meaning there there were two issues. What monetarily do we have to return it? Do we have to try to return it? And number two is it kosher? So Rabbanu make one both. It didn't have to be returned because it was it was found. Meaning we assume that the owner was already gave up hope. We'll see in a minute about that. And we could also assume it was kosher because most people who traveled the road were kosher. So if you go after a rove, then you assume that the the the, the goat is kosher. The reason they were makel in terms of the idea of it being a lost object, the Tani it says in a brisa, guy, someone who rescues something from a lion or from a army. Mishina Sayam from when the sea surges, Mishina Sonar, river, Misatra Gadola, Pata Gadola, for any from a very, very large area, like a highway or through a Hare Ilishalo, he's definitely allowed to keep these objects. The owner is Miyayish, and as soon as the owner is despaired, he gives up hope of ever giving it, so then the halacha of Ashavas doesn't apply. The premise of Ashavas that you can't keep it for yourself, you have to try to return it, is because since the owner is still. He still has das on it. He still has hopes of getting it back. So in, in, even though it's lost, so he doesn't have the control over it, so you have to try to return it to him. But if it's a circumstance where the Bailam is miyayish, like he lost him in such a public place that he gives up all hope from ever giving it back, so then you don't have to do anything to, 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 to try to return it. And that's the halach of our Shabbos Aveda. And when we say that they were moderate, we mean that we don't have to be concerned that it was shachted by a non-Jew because since most of the people who were traveling the road were Jewish, so they said we could assume it was shachted by a Jew, not a non-Jew, and therefore this piece of per- this person who found the, the roasted goat is allowed to eat it and uh, assume it's kosher. And the Gemara validates this. The Gemara says, It was found that it actually came from Rebbe's house. So it was totally validated that they for this psaq. The Gemara gives a similar idea here, just without meat, with cheese. They found some cheese where Levi was staying. This cheese for both things, meaning that they were matter the finder to take it and to eat it. That he doesn't have to try to return the cheese to the right owner. And we assume it came from most of the travelers who were Jewish, so it was not the cheese from the guy. Cheese from the guy is forbidden to eat, but we could assume that it came from a Jew. They were because of the same principle. The Tanya said in the Bible, a guy, someone who rescues something from the army, from the line, from the sea or the river overflowing, or a very public place, the finder is allowed to keep it, because the owner gives up hope, and as soon as there's Yish, so then it was okay. So this inn, where Levi was, was a very large public place. And therefore we assume that the owner was Mi'ayish. We say that he was allowed to eat it, it means we're makel that we assume the cheese was not, came, that the cheese came from a Jew and not a non-Jew because the majority of the people who used the hotel were Jewish, so we could presume it was kosher. Because it ends up being found to be the Reb that the cheese actually came from the house of Reb Lazar Reb and that's why it made sense that they were allowed to eat it. Says the Gemara, even though the rabbis have said before that we could keep things in a public place, but for us, we see that what? The rabbis are always machris. When the rabbis find things in a public place, they're machris. Machris means to announce that the rabbanon are, are, are trying, they're striving to return the lost objects, even though it was found in a very public place. They would still announce, they would make public uh, statements that, that you know, the thing was been found. So they, they're not makel. The rabbanon aren't makel on this idea that if something is found in a public place, you don't have to try to return it. 
So Rabbi Yossi said, Do you mean that if you would find it, you wouldn't take it for yourself? Is that, is that really what you're saying? That the Rabbana and Harachi, Vashavasavida, even from a public place? Rabbiona, Abba Chlomarkin, Rabbiona, your father didn't say that. Ella Amar, he said, Halavai, I wish, Kanashkach, Nashkach, Munpisa, Ulago. I would hope that we find the lost, something lost, we would find it from the public place and within, meaning we, I, I would hope we find it from a very public place because then there would be a hatter for us to, uh, to, for us to keep it. So we see that even for the Rabbanon, there's no halacha, there's no halacha that, that you have to, that you have to, uh, you have to be machers, that you have to announce it, but rather you're allowed to keep it for yourself. So we see that that's true even for the Rabbanon. So the Gemara says, even though it seems like here in the Gemara that he's pushing back and saying that uh, Rabbi Yossi is pushing back and saying that uh, even the Rabbanon are, are allowed to keep it, but it once happened on a, on a personal story with Rabbi Yossi where he found something in a public place and he did not keep it for himself, but he rather, he did announce it. So even though we're saying based on this whole thing from Rabbi Yona, um, that if he found it in a public place, he could keep it. But Lamaisa in practice, he once found something and he was machmir. So since he was machmir, you see that there's definitely a pious idea that no matter what, you're always supposed to announce. Okay, so now we get back to the theme of the parak. The theme of the parak is when you find things, holy items, you're not sure you know, if they're holy or not, you're not sure exactly what their identity is. So what happens? Around the Yerushalayim, we just find a random animal. An animal is found between Yerushalayim and the town of Migdal Eder. It was near, uh, it was near a place called Migdal Eder. The same distance to Yerushalayim from any other direction. So it seems that uh, it's possible if it's close to the proximity of Yerushalayim that it was a carbon. So Zacharim, if it's a male animal, Olos, you could assume it's a carbon Ola. Nekeva, if it's a female, Zivchei Shlavim, you assume that it's a Shlavim. In other words, the assumption is animals near Yishalayim come from Yishalayim and have been, had been um, consecrated for a carbon because we go after Rove. Most of the animals that are found in Yishalayim are set aside for Kabbanos. That's just the Metzias. So males are Ola, females are Shlavim, which seems like an interesting thing that it's like that. Uh, a Shlavim can be both a male or a female. So why, how do we know for sure that the male ones are Olos? That, that which is fit to be a Pasach, we assume it's a Pasach, right? There are certain criteria, a male within its year, sheep or a goat. So if it's that type of thing, we assume it's a Pasach, if it's close to carbon, if it's close to the time period of Pesach. It's found 30 days or less, close to the time of Pesach. So, Mishnah is telling us you find the animals close to the area of Yerushalayim. If they're suitable to be brought as a Karbanos, then we assume that that's what they are. So Berishona used to be originally they would we would be mamashkin we would force the one who found the animal who's who, who's now retrieving it and bringing it to Yerushalayim we would force him to pay for the nisachim for the wine libations. So so the idea is that when you bring a, an ola Yerushalayim right there's accompanying wine libations there's a flower offering with wine. So who's going to pay for that? So we don't know who the right real owner of the carbon is. So originally the din was that, that we, would, we would take even collateral from the person who found it and we would say, you pay for it, right? In other words, this, the carbon has no simon or anything. So it really halakhically belongs to the person who found it. So it really becomes his animal. So therefore, if it becomes his animal, it's his carbon, then he has a din to pay for the nesachim. And we would enforce that. But then the finder, people would find it, they would just abandon it and run away because they didn't have an interest. What should I do? I should go take this animal, bring it to the base and make this. They're going to make me pay for the Nisachim. I'm not interested. So therefore, his Kinu Basin basically made a new Takana, that the Nisachim would come from the communal funds and therefore that would uh, encourage people to return it and bring it as a carbon and not just leave the animal there. Again, we don't want the animal left there because we think that it's Kachim. If it's Kachim, then it really should be, it should be brought on the Mizbech. 
Continues the Mishnah, Amar Abshim and Shibbat Varmis Kinu Basin. This is actually one of seven Takanos basements of Zachon Mayhem. What are the seven Takanos? We just mentioned the idea that the one finding the carbon that the Nesachim can come from the communal funds. The other six here, if a non Jew is sending his Ola from overseas, so the dinners were Makabal Karbanos, definitely an Ola from a guy. And the carbon ola requires nesachim. So if the non-Jew is sending his animal ola and he sends money for the nesachim with it, so he's sending what is necessary, sending money to buy the nesachim kerevim mishaloh, then it's offered from his things, meaning we take the money that he sent and we, and we use it to buy the nesachim for his carbon. But what happens in Lav? Let's say he didn't send, he just sent the animal for the carbon, but he didn't send any funds for the nesachim. So kerevim mishaloh, so then we, we take it from the, communal, uh, from the communal funds, even though it's not a communal carbon, it's the guy's carbon. A third takon. Convert and he just leaves behind a bunch of animals, a bunch of carbonos. So if he has in his estate, um, he has he has what he needs for the nitzachim, so it comes from him. Meaning, if he was makdish uh, money or, or or the ingredients for nitzachim, they're used for that. Um, he's used for that because the issue is when the ger dies, if he wasn't makdish, it all his property becomes half ger because he doesn't have any heirs. So it becomes a possess- the property of whoever takes it first and then we wouldn't be able to use it to pay for the nesachim. So if, um, if we have that he, he, he left things in his estate for hakdish and then it's brought from him, but if he didn't leave over anything for hakdish, so then all the property, all the property is just uh, hefker and we can't take it then, so crave, right? If somebody else was already got it first, so crave a Michel Tzibor. So then we would, we, we would pay for the nesachim for the gares, carbonos that are being brought after his death, we would pay from the communal funds. A fourth tonight. What happens if a Kohen Gadol dies? His mincha should come from the communal funds. So what are we talking about? The Kohen Gadol used to bring a mincha every single day. Minchas chavitim, special coin uh, flower offering of the Kohen Gadol. And he would split half in the morning, half in the afternoon. So what happens if the Kohen Gadol dies? And they didn't appoint a new Kohen Gadol yet. So the deceased Kohen Gadol's mincha, um, it, it can be brought from the communal, the communal funds. So that's not usually true for, the, for his personal mincha. His personal mincha usually has to pay, for, he has to pay himself. But now that he's dead, if the community hasn't yet appointed a new Kohen Gadol, so then the communal funds pay for the, uh, for the Menchaz Chavitin. Rebidah says, no, it comes from the funds of the Kohen Gadol's heirs, not from the communal fund. And another point, in the case where, where the Kohen Gadol passed away and it's coming here from the heirs of the community, then it's brought whole, meaning we bring the whole Menchaz at once and not in half. When the Kohen Gadol's alive, it's half in the morning, half in the afternoon. And the, the Mishnah is saying is that that's when the Kohen Gadol dies and now it's being brought either from the Tibor or from the Arshin, so then it's offered whole, it's not split uh, half in the morning and half in the, and half the afternoon. The fifth institution, and this we'll see, comes from Pesukim. The fifth thing, they made a takana regarding the salt and the wood in the base of Mikdash, that the Kohenim are allowed to personally benefit from it. In other words, the Kohenim are going to eat their meat of Kadja. So they want salt for their meat and they can want wood to, to cook their meat. So even though it's not part of that voda, right? They're, they're, they're cooking the meat now so that they can eat it. It's not part of the Mizbech. They're allowed to use the salt and the, and, and, and the wood of the Beis HaMikdash. A sixth thing, they made a takana about the paraduma that there should not be mi'ila using the ashes. It seems that there was a din of mi'ila that you're not allowed to enjoy the ashes from the paraduma. But uh, they made they made a takana that there's no meila. We'll see more details about that in the Gemara how they took away the meila. Seventh thing, they made a din that uh, whenever there was a disqualified pair of birds, that the replacement should come from the communal funds. So in other words, whenever, as we learned about yesterday, whenever a woman uh, had to bring a pair of kinim for for a for kapara, so she would just come and put the money into the box that was kinim. The coin would use all the coins in the box each day. 
to buy the right amount of birds, and they would bring one lachatas, one laola. Everything was okay. But the Mishnah is saying, what happens in a case where the coin or the bird was lost and it didn't become good? So it's a Tanai Basin that whatever is missing now comes from the communal funds. And they would, they would, they would, the, the, the ownership of the money was transferred to whoever would be the owner. We don't know who it was, but whoever was the owner of the lost coin or bird, and then it would be brought uh, for, for them. And it, the, 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 so basically the short... The shortfall here comes from the communal funds if something goes wrong with the bird or the coin. He says that the vendor, the one who supplies the birds, he's the one who has to supply a supply replacement if something was lost or disqualified. So it does not come Michel Seabor, but it comes from the vendor. Okay, so first we, we're going to analyze this din of the Mishnah. Mishnah says that when you find a lost animal close to Yerushalayim, so if it's a male, you treat it as a, a male, you treat it as an ola. But it seems funny, as we were saying, because a shlamim could also be a male. could be male or female. So the Quran says, Ravoshi, Rav, Amar, Lavab, Dumeim, Shana. We don't understand the Mishnah. You have to understand someone's trying to obligate himself with the whole monetary value. So, in other words, we, we really don't know if it's an ola or a shlamim, but we, we, you cannot bring the animal itself as an ola. But the Mishnah is talking about a person who's trying to solve it. So the Mishnah comes along and he consecrates the full value, the full value of the animal um, toward, towards each of the carbonos that it might be. So he's bringing two separate piles of money that are equal to the animal's value. And he says the following thing. If the animal is an ola, then the, then the, then the carbon should be deconsecrated onto this money and the money will become ola money. And the second... And then the other pile of money should be used as a new donated shlamim. And if the animal is really shlamim, it should be deconsecrated onto the second pile of money, which will become shlamim money. And the first thing, which should be a donated ola. So now the two piles of money are now used to go buy an ola and a shlamim. And the animal is deconsecrated for short. So the Mishnah is speaking about a specifically such a case. That, so of course the animal itself cannot be used as an ola. We don't know if it's an ola or shlamim. But a person is talking about, we're talking about the solution is that if a person would come along and he would um, bring two piles of money and he would deconsecrate the animal the way it is and potentially on each pile of money uh, and say if it was an Ola, then it's deconsecrated onto this money, if it's some on this money, and then stipulate that the other pile should be donated for the other type. So the Gemara doesn't like this explanation. Do we tell a person to go do me'ila by kachim? Meaning very nice, we want to solve the problem. Right? And we want that to happen. And we can even understand that if you deconsecrate the money in such a way that after the fact it would become deconsecrated. But it's still awesome. If the animal doesn't have a mum, if you have a carbon and it doesn't get, get a blemish, you, and you just you can't just deconsecrate, deconsecrate it the way it is, it's mamish misusing kachim. You're transferring the kedusha. You're being mole. You're putting it onto something else. You're not allowed to do that. Better kabayis, you'd be allowed to do that. But a carbon without a mum to try to redeem it like that is totally meila. You're, you're you're misusing the funds of the base of mikdash. You're not allowed to do that. We don't tell a person to do that. Yochanan says that can't be what the Mishnah means. The shot is we just go after the majority of the animals. When we're saying if we don't know what the animal is, if most males are olos, if there's a doubt, most females are zivcheshlamim. So basically, we're just saying it sounds like Rabbi Yochanan are saying that most male offerings are olos. So, so if most male offerings are, all, are olos, if you found it, then uh, the animal itself could be offered as a carbon ola, and we're not concerned for the possibility that it's a shlamim. However, the Gemara objects. What do you mean? Shlamim could also be male. So what basis is there to assume that a stam male animal, uh, you could assume is ola mechatesi? There's no good reason in the statistics to assume that way. So the Gemara answers, so what do you do? You make sure that they first become chulin. And the, what the Mepharshim explained is that in a you have to wait until it gets a mum. Even though the Mishnah did not imply that way. The Mishnah did not imply you have to wait for them to get a mum. But that's the reality. You have to wait for the, for the animal to get a mum. Then you can deconsecrate it by making the following tonight and make it even into an ola, top of the Ahmed base. In other words, you're going to bring two new animals that are not blemished. And you say, if... The animal that, that, that the original animal I found that now got a mum was an ola. 
Uh, so then this first animal, the new animal should be consecrated to an ola in its place, and the second animal, and the second animal I'm just donating as a shlamim. And if the animal that I found was a shlamim, then the second animal should be, should be colored as a shlamim in its place, and the first animal should be an ola. So when the mission was saying that, that when you find a male, treat it like an ola, it means it's even like an ola. In other words, you have to be stringent that maybe it's an ola, but it doesn't mean we know for sure it's an ola, it doesn't mean we assume it's an ola, it doesn't mean you bring it as an ola, that's not what it means at all. Uh, actually, the reality is you'll have to wait for it to get a mum, and then transfer its kedusha with a stipulation onto two onto another animal, and I have to bring another one as the pos- to cover your basis for the possibility that was really Islam. Different shot, a different explanation. Amar Zera, you know how it could be that when you find the male, you assume it's an ola. It's just like you said there earlier that there was a stipulation in the court that if there's anything left over from the chata's coins, they could be brought as an ola. We learned this in yesterday's daf that when there was a random uh, case of money that was found between the two boxes of Kenan and, uh, and, and goes Leona, we didn't know what it comes from. So we say it could be brought as an Ola, the money, and we're saying, what do you mean? Maybe it's a Khatas money. So we said it's, it's a stipulation in the court that they said, if it gets to a situation where we don't know what the coin is, then, 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 then from the outset, even though it was Hukdash as a Khatas, it should turn into an Ola. So the same way we said that there, we could say that here. We could say that here. Tanai Basin is a special stipulation in the court that even though people are stipulating it as whatever they are, but we're saying, if it gets lost, that they should be brought as Ola. So we're saying, and even if the found male animal was, was a shlamim, but the stipulation of the court now makes the original consecration to turn into an ola, the animal could be offered as an ola. So basically, even though a person says this is a shlamim, but when it gets to the situation that now it's lost, so we say that uh, the Tanai Basin kicks in, the stipulation of the court kicks in, and we say that actually uh, the original consecration as a shlamim is null and void, and it could be karav the way it is, as an Ola, tremendous Chiddush. So we get like into the original stipulation and we make it, and the original hectish that the person made, and on the side it was, a, it was a, that the person consecrated it as a Shlamim, it's actually now null and void. The court has the ability to stipulate that way, and that's why it could be carved as an Ola now. So the word says, but isn't this like deliberately changing what the animal is? Like, how, how does that work? Isn't that also? So maybe late basin only works like we learned yesterday, like by money. But today, where you have a guf of itself, that might be shlame mechatesi, it works. So I'm like, yeah, it could work. We give it to tonight, basically, it's amazing. As long as this is the stipulation of the court, then that's not changing the consecration deliberately. That's just the court stipulating that the original consecration of, of it being a shlamim is null and void on the possibility that it gets lost. So if it gets lost, so then the original hectish of shlamim is battle, and the original hectish of shlamim is battle, then it can be now carved as an olah. Now we start analyzing the point, next point in the Mishnah, which is that a coin minchas chavitin of the coin gadol. Every single day, he brings a minchas chavitin, and, uh, and half is brought in the morning, half in the afternoon. We talk about the situation of where the Kohen Gadol dies. So the Gemara teaches, When I was still there in Bavel, before I came to Nehra Yisrael, Shamas got Rebbe Yudah Shalom Shmuel. I heard Rebbe Yudah asking Shmuel, What happens if someone separated his shekel? To pay Masa shekel. And then he died before it got to the treasurer. What do we do? So I'm going to let you We don't give it to the shekel. A shekel, but we give it to the chest that we're learning dava. Remember, the dava is just the voluntary communal offerings that we bring olos on the mizbeach when the mizbeach is not being used. So, leftover shkalim, when the person dies, go learning dava. Rabbi Asa said, What's the halacha if there's extra money that the coin gold set aside for his asir sefer for the tenth of the eifa? The coin gold brings, that's the amount of the of his carbon, of his minchas chavitin. So what happens if there's extra money? He designates a lot of money to go buy flour and then the coin gadol passes away. So you have extra money sitting around. So what do you do with the extra money? You have to take him to the Dead Sea. There's nothing you can do with it. You can't use it in the future. 
He's not the Kohen Gadol. It doesn't go Lenidava. There's nothing. It's not a Khatas or something that can go Lenidava. Leftover Khatas um, can go Lenidava. But leftover money set aside for the Kohen Gadol's Chavitin can't go Lenidava, so it goes to the Dead Sea. There's nothing that can be done with it. Whereas Rabbi Lazar and Lenidava, Rabbi Lazar says no, that it's considered like a Khatas. The Torah at one place calls the Kohen Gadol's Chavitin, Karban Daily Chavitin, a Shem Khatas. So therefore, it has the halacha that if there's extra money left over, it goes Lenidava to buy those communal donated olas. And how do we deal, now in general, what's the process? How do we deal with the Kohen Gadol's carbon? And specifically what we want to know is, um, we know we bring it in halves, right? That's clear. But the Pasuk is mashma that it seems like he's supposed to uh, bring it full and then, and then split it. So how exactly does this work? So the Gemara says, First you divide it in two, and then, you're, and, then, and, then, and, then you, and then you consecrate it. According to Rabbi Yochanan, since the Chavit and the Kohen Gadol was brought half in the morning, half in the afternoon, so that means that the, the, the original, the fully sorrow and the flower that the Kohen Gadol was bringing, first you divide it in half, and then in the morning, your Mekadosh in a Klisharis for the morning, and in the afternoon, your Mekadosh in a Klisharis for the afternoon. So you bring, a, you bring the original amount of the full Isar on a flower, but when you actually give it Kedush as a Guf, when you put it into the Klisharis, you only do it half by half. You put it half in the morning into the klisharis, and then only later will the half of the afternoon be put into a separate klisharis. Whereas Rish Lakish no, no, you consecrate it fully. You take the fully sorrow and you're makdish it. Then you, in, in other words, you give it the, the physical sanctity, the kedushas agof, by putting in the klisharis, and only afterwards do you divide it into two. So it becomes a full mincha, and then you divide it into two. So we have a dispute with Rishon and Rish Lakish about how the chavitim worked. We know it was offered in halves, but. They took the Yisar and they split it. But at what point? Were they first Makadosh in the Klisharis and then they split it? That's Rish Lakish. Rabbi Yochanan knows no. They split it first after measuring out the full Yisar and then they split it and before they were Makadosh. They were Makadosh half by half. So the Gemara says, Masisa Pliga Rabbi Yochanan. This Mishnah in Menachos is a Kash on Rabbi Yochanan. Why? Because the Mishnah was talking about a case where the Kohen Gadol dies after he brought half of his Minchas Chavitin. So let's say, you know, he brought his morning half and now he dies. So there's another Kohen Gadol. So the new Kohen Gadol has, the new Kohen Gadol doesn't just bring the second half of the first Kohen Gadol's Mincha. He brings his fully sermon from his house. He divides it in half. And Makriv Maxwell, Maxwell Avad. He offers half of it for the half he started in the afternoon and the other half is totally is uh, totally destroyed. So the Mishra is talking about a situation where you have the new replacement calling Gadol, and now it's already the afternoon. So what does he do? So he brings the full amount, the Mishnah Menachah says. He divides, he's going to divide, he offers half of it, and the other half is destroyed. So if Rabbi Yochanan is right, that only half the Yisar is, is hooked up in the Klisharitz at the time, so why do we have to destroy it? In other words, the second half was never Kaddish in the Klisharitz, according to Rabbi Yochanan. According to Rabbi Yochanan, you only, you only Makdash with Kaddush as a Gov about, the, about the, the part that's about to be offered. So it really should only have monetary Kedusha. So why can't you redeem it? This is the question. So the Kumar's Kashra is from the second half of the, of the second, second coin called the Zisar, and why should it be destroyed? We have no reason to think that it was Kaddish in the Klisharitz. So why is it being destroyed? It must be a riot to, to, to the other opinion, to Rish Lakish. That before you split it, you have to be makdish, the whole thing, you consecrate the fully sword of the klisharis, and only then do you split it. And then it would make sense why the other half has to, has to be lost. Gemara responds, because even leftover coins that were designated for Minchas Chavitin, they go to the Dead Sea. As we said before, that if the Kohen Gadol gave money, and it was designated for his carbon, and then there's extra stuff after his death, so we say that it goes into Yama Malach, even though it only had Kedusha's Damim. 
So, so surely the leftover flour has to be destroyed, even though it only has Kedusha's Damim, and there's no point in redeeming it because whatever the value in the Damim is, it will have to go to the Dead Sea. So the extra leftover value of something that was, that was consecrated for the Menchaz Chavitin goes to waste. Okay, so now we continue again with analyzing Machlokas by Shimon and Lakish and Rav Yochan. Again, the dispute is, what, hap- how, what was the process? What's the procedure for the Menchaz Chavitin? Do, are we Makdash it? Fully kedushas a the fully sarin, and then only then divided. That's where shlakish and Rabbi Yochanan holds that no, we, we do it half by half. Only the half that you're being uh, makriv now uh, do you give kedushas a So the Gemara says that and Mishnah said What did the Mishnah say? Again, the Mishnah is talking about a case where Kohen Gadol dies after he brought his half in the morning. Now there's a new Kohen Gadol, so he brings another half in the afternoon. So from the zone, Nimsu Avudin. There were two different halves that were offered. The Kohen Gadol brought his half in the, his first half in the, in the morning, and the second Kohen Gadol brought his half in the afternoon, but the other two halves from their respective Isarun get destroyed. The second half of the first Kohen Gadol and the second half of the second Kohen Gadol, they get destroyed. It says in the Bible, so what do we mean that they get destroyed? What happens to the first half and the second half? From the first half from the first Kohen Gadol and, and the other half from the second Kohen Gadol, we say to Ubar, to Rasan, we have to wait for their appearance to change, meaning they should wait overnight. And only then do they go out to be burned. Meaning we don't burn them right away. Because remember, the halacha is you don't burn kachim that's disqualified right away unless there's some inherent psul, some real psul. So according to Rabbi Yochanan, it makes sense. There was no real psul here. It's just we can't use it for anything, but there was no psul. It never had kedusha sagof yet. It was never consecrated. So therefore, we have to wait till, till, till it passes the night to destroy it. But according to Rish Lakish, it should... Um, why should we wait, wait to destroy it? According to Reish Lakish, the, 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 the remaining two halves did have Kedusha Zagov, and they're not redeemable, and they're totally disqualified. For the, the, the half of the first Kohen Gadol is disqualified, he's not alive. The half of the second Kohen Gadol is disqualified because it, never, was able to, it was never able to be brought. So it's Mam Shapsul Agov, some inherent issue. So according to Reish Lakish, why are we waiting to destroy it until the next day? So the Gemara says back, Reish Lakish says that I'm going... Like Rabbi Ishmael, to Amar Isarun Mekadish, who says that the original Isarun, the measuring utensil for the Isarun, is Mekadish. And now we're really switching our Pshad and Rish Lakish. We're saying like this that Rish Lakish, when he said that originally you sanctify it and then you divide it, we didn't mean um, that everybody agrees to that. It means what happens when you're originally measuring out the Isarun. So, in other words, everybody agrees that the procedure was you measure out the flour in the original measuring cup of the Isar, and then you bring it, and then you only put it into the half that you're going to bring now into, into a klisharis, and the other half you won't put into another klisharis until the afternoon. But the question is, was that original Isar, that original measuring cup, that measuring Isar in a flour, was that a, was that a klisharis? So Eishlakish held that it was. Like the opinion of, of Rabbi Ishmael, that the original Isar measuring cup is a klisharis, and therefore it's makadish. It's makadish that flour. So it already has physical sanctity. Because the Isar in itself was already Maktashim. That's where Shlakish held. But in Akhanami, that price, that Mishnah we were just looking at before, does not hold that way. It holds that the measuring cup was not Maktashim. It doesn't give it imbue it with, holy, with holiness, with physical holiness, with Kedushas Aguf. So it's only going to get Kedushas Aguf when you put it into a Klisharis and you mix it. And we don't do that until it's actually being offered. So everybody agrees it's not put into another Klisharis besides the original measuring cup until it's about to be offered. But the question is is the original measuring cup. Oklisharis, Rabbi Shlakish held it was, so therefore it's going to have Kedusha Sagov as soon as it's measured out, even before it's consecrated, it's put into a Klisharis uh, in the afternoon. And, and the, uh, the bride's mission that before we were looking at hell, no, the Isarin is just a measuring cup. It's not a Klisharis, so therefore it's not going to have Kedusha Sagov until you put it later. And, uh, and since that didn't happen, so it won't have Kedusha Sagov, and therefore you'd have to wait for tomorrow to destroy it. 
Now continues the, the Gemara. What happens when a coin goes for the first time to do the avod in the base of Mikdash? What happens? Maybe a serious He brings a tenth of eifa carbon and he does it. He does the avod with his own hands. So what is the Gemara saying? This is an interesting concept that. The minchas chavitin, besides for being the, a, a, a daily offering of the Kohen Gadol, it's also something else. It's also an inaugural offering, an inaugural mincha that's brought by a Kohen doing the avodah for the first time. We learned this up from the Psukim in Parshasab, that whenever the Kohen or Kohen Gadol does the avodah for the first time, he has to bring a special inaugural offering, and that is inaugural offering is this minchas chavitin. What if they did the Avodah without bringing their inaugural offering? The Avodah is not disqualified. Says the Gemara, Ramana wanted to say, What happened if a Kohen, Kohen became, it was the first time he was ever doing Avodah, and on the first day he was ever doing Avodah, he also was appointed to become a Kohen Galdo. So maybe Shtayim, then he has to bring two Chavitins. He has to bring one, he has to bring one, uh, one inaugural Chavitin because this is the first day he's a Kohen. And uh, like any other time that a Kohen serves for the first time. And he now has to bring a second one because since he's a Kohen Gadol today, he has to bring the Minchas Chavitin, which is the regular one. So in that case, it's ironic, but it comes out he's actually going to be Mechuyev to bring two of these Minchas Chavitins. One for his inaugural offering of being a Kohen and one for the Kohen Gadol's uh, for the Kohen Gadol's Chiyav. Now, the truth is, the Gemara Menachos elaborates on this. You might actually have to bring three. One for being inaugurated as a Kohen, one for being inaugurated as a Kohen Gadol, and then a third one for the regular uh, 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 regular routine offering of the carbon Chavit in every day of the Kohen Gadol. So that is elaborated upon by the Gemara Menachos. Okay, now we talk more about the Mechaz Chavitin. What does it say in the Lashon of, of the Pasuk? Tifune. So Tifune means big, but it's an interesting word that we're looking at. So what does it mean, Tifune? So So first of all, the fact that it says to bring it by when big is mashma, that only the time that you bring the Mechaz to be baked, but you don't bake it before the Zman Avoda. The Avoda has to be done only in the morning. You can't bring it before dawn. So not only can you not offer in the Mechaz before dawn, but we're dashing from the Pasuk that you can't even bake it before dawn. As well, it's, you can only you can only bake it at a time of the that you're able to bring it in the morning. So the Mishnah asked, and it says in the mission in Tamid that pre dawn, when the Kohen got the Kohen and were gathering, they would appoint the people who make a chavitin to make the chavitin. So we see that the chavitin was made before dawn, before daybreak. So the Gemara said, that just means they were preparing the hot water for the loaf. They would scald the loaf. The chavitin was scalded with hot water. So they were just saying to prep the hot water before dawn. But the actual baking in Achanami was only after dawn. On began. Says the Gemara, now we have a machlokas, tefune, how do you bake it? So first you would fry it and then bake. So it was first fried, then baked. The opposite, you bake it and then you fry it. So the Gemara explains that this machlokas amaram is related to machlokas tanam. Tefune, tefune, no. It should be done, it should be baked after they're already partially cooked. No means raw. So first it should be raw, uh, partially raw, so no, it's fried first, and then it should be baked. Rabbi Yom tefune, no, it should be baked while it's still looking nice. What does it mean? looking nice because frying in oil is going to blacken it. It won't look as nice. So according to the second opinion, it means that you bake it before it is fried while it's still looking nice. So if those are my defender riba, means, no, they should be baked. They should be baked uh, a lot. There should be a lot of more bakings. Uh, so in the Gemara explains over there that he was like both, that it should be baked when it's, when it's looking good before it's fried and it also has to be baked after it's fried. So it's baked twice, once before it's fried while it's still looking good, then it's baked again after it's fried. So we end up with three opinions. Either you bake it and then you fry it, you fry it and then you bake it, or you bake it, fry it, and then bake it again. 
And the Gemara explains how those Machlokas Amarom is the same as Machlokas Tanam. As in Elim Palakti so the people before the Amarom are arguing about the same exact issue as the Tanam. The one who said that Tfune means baked nicely like Rebbe, that's the Mandamar who's saying that you bake it before you fry it while it's still looking good. Because once you fry it, it's going to blacken. But according to the opinion that said that it should be it should be baked after it's partially cooked after it's re- after it's a little, uh, partially re- partially cooked. That's going like the opinion that you fry it and then afterwards you bake it. So then it's being it's being baked at a time that it's already partially cooked. Okay, the Gemara now continues uh, discussing again what happens if the Kohen Gadol dies after he brought one half of his Minchas Chavitin. So what happens in the afternoon? So we discussed how uh, if there was someone else who was appointed, then he brings a fully sorrow on that day. So now the Gemara says, Lo sof It's not only where the first Kohen Gadol dies, if he's completely gone, that the second Kohen Gadol brings another half of his own Minchas Chavitin. But, but um, even if it's another case where he becomes possible, the, mission, the Gemara doesn't elaborate, but Takam Chadzin explains that, that even if there would be like a different soul, something happened to him that he's totally disqualified, then... Um, then, then we would also do the same thing. If the coin, the coin is this, coin is disqualified, so he can't do the avoda. So then we would have the menchas chavitin uh, be brought. Uh, separately, it says, says the Gemara, "Alafilu nitma." What would happen if, let's say, the Kohen Gadol just became tame? Afilu nitchemimom, or maybe even if just he got like a, a blemish. In other words, maybe it's only if he's nitchemimom, like a, a blemish, which is per- permanently disqualifying him. There it makes sense because there we really have to make somebody else be the Kohen Gadol. This first Kohen Gadol is never going to be able to do that avoda again. So there it could make sense that uh, the permanent blemish of the Kohen requires uh, a different coin to be appointed and bring, bring the mincha. But in a case where he just became Tame, so then may, maybe we don't say it. Maybe if he only became Tame, so it's just like a temporary setback, but he's really still the Iker Kohen Gadol, so then maybe we don't say that. So the Gemara answers, Tani Rabbi Yitzvah Pazi, he explains, Afilu Nidche Mimom. It's even if it's Nidche Mimom, even if, he, um, even, if, even if it was a situation uh, uh, not only if he died, but even if he died from a permanent blemish, we would say the same thing that we need a second. But the, 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 we need a second coin to bring to bring the other part. But the brisa only speaks about the case of someone who got a, a, a blemish. But we didn't speak about the case in the brisa of someone who got just uh, temporary tuma. So we see that it only applies to some sense of of. Um, of permanence. It's only something like a permanent blemish where now there's a separate Kohen Gadol. That's where we would say that it's required, but if it's something that's temporary, then we would not require it. Okay, now we go back to the case where our mission mentioned where no Kohen Gadol was, uh, new, no new replacement Kohen Gadol was appointed. So we just have the old Kohen Gadol dying. So we had a dispute between Tanakam and Rabbi Yudah what the source of Menchaz Chavitin is. Is it from the Kohen Gadol's estate or from the communal funds? So the Gemara says, How do you know if the Kohen Gadol dies? And we didn't replace him. How do we know that the Menchaz Chavitim should be brought from the heirs, that it should come from the Kohen Gadol's children, from his estate? From his sons, he should make it. So we darshan up that the Pasuk is saying, that is um, that the descendant of Aaron, who, the Pashup shot, is that when he's talking about when a descendant of Aaron who's appointed Kohen Gadol in his place of his father should bring the Mincha. But the, the Tanakhama is darshaning that even if there is no replacement that hasn't been made from his sons, it should be paid from, from the estate, it should be paid. You would think that in the, since in the case where the heir is paying from it, from his father, it should be brought in halves. The same way his father, Kohen Gadol, had done when he was alive. So maybe now it's being brought from the estate of the heirs, it's also brought in halves. Tamalomar Osa says he shouldn't. Make it, which means kula amarti. It's only all of it, 
should be brought together all at once. Divri Rabbi Yehuda, that's according to Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yehuda's position is that when there's no replacement Kohen Gadol, it's brought from the heirs, and in a situation when it's brought from the heirs, then it's not divided, it's not brought in, in halves, it's just brought completely the fully sarm. Whereas Rabbi Shimon Omer, it's not true, it comes from the public fund, Shinemar Chak Olam. Chak Olam means it, this halacha, the, the, it's, a, it's a chak, it's a halacha Olam, which is, which is eternal, which means Mishab is Krisolo, which means that the one from the one where the, where, the, where the bris has been established, which means from the community where we say olam, that there's an eternal uh, uh, bris that Kaddish Prophet has with the community, that there should always be a minchas, uh, a minchas, minchas chavitim, which means it's communal. Kalo taktir, kalo taktar, should be completely burned. It should be completely burned, uh, completely in the entirety, which means that it's like all the other minchas kohen. All the other minchas kohenim, there's no, you don't eat the shirayim. So to hear, you don't eat the shirayim. And uh, again, it's not brought in halves. It's brought uh, completely, completely full. So we have a dispute. Just to summarize here what, what exactly we've learned. We've had a case where a Kohen Gadol, a regular case of Minchas Chavit and Kohen Gadol, he brings the full Yisaron, uh, he measures it in the Yisaron cup. We had a machlokas if that was a Klisharis or not. And then afterwards it's divided, half of it's brought in the morning and half of it's brought in the afternoon. Um, that's the regular situation. In a case where he, the Kohen Gadol is replaced, they have, a, they have a replacement Kohen Gadol by the afternoon. So then he's going to bring another Yisaron, um, he's going to bring another full Yisaron, divide it in two and bring half. And then the other half would be, would be lost and the original la, uh, half and the first going all would also be lost. That was the mission of Menachos. And then our mission of discusses what if there was no replacement that's brought. So then we have a dispute between Rabbi Yudah and Rabbi Shimon, whether it's brought from the heirs or whether that's Rabbi Yudah and Rabbi Shimon saying it's brought from the community. And in that case, it's brought full in the full, we have Xeris HaKasuv, that when it's, it's not being brought by the Kohen Gadol, then it's brought in the full amount of the Isar.